Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, we have to start this by talking about Days of Our Lives legend John Aniston, who passed away on November 11th at the age of 89. So as the person responsible for Days coverage on and off over the past 25 years, you know, I have had the good fortune of talking to John many times. So as funny as Victor could be on screen, John was even funnier off. I mean, he had such a dry sense of humor. He was so quick-witted and he just made me laugh. And I am not the only one, of course, pretty much every online tribute from his co-stars, past and present, included something about his sense of humor. You know, I was also doing interviews with him as his daughter, Jennifer Starr, was on the rise. And you know, if I'm being honest, it was a little awkward at times asking him questions about her. I mean, she had become such a big deal on Friends that you could tell he was incredibly proud of her, but he was also like loath to discuss her and violate her privacy. So there was always like a dance we did when I threw those questions his way. But, you know, overall, I can say my experiences with him will stay with me forever. They were great. And his loss will be felt both on screen and off. I'm so envious that you got to speak with him and know him. I've really only heard about him from yourself and and also uh, quite a bit from Wally Kurth, who plays his nephew, Justin, on the show. Wally has told me so many stories over the years about what a teacher and mentor John was to him. I I do remember seeing John in person for the first time. I had arrived at like the cocktail reception before the daytime Emmys one year. And I saw John sitting at a table, like right when I walked in and our eyes met. And I honestly was so starstruck. And this was just a few years ago. So it's not like I wasn't accustomed to being in rooms full of daytime stars, but, but John was someone I had watched for so long. I mean, Victor Kariakis is such an iconic figure in the Salem landscape. And I think we viewers were so incredibly blessed that he never retired. So his uh, last episode on Days is going to stream on December 26th. And the show will also pay tribute to him on that day. So that is a date to mark on the calendar for sure. Now, last week, you were actually in Los Angeles for the day of Days where some other major Days news was announced. Yes. And first of all, I have to say, I was so happy to go back to this event. You know, the last one that was held in person was in 2019. I was there. And this time it was at a new venue in downtown Los Angeles called LA Live. And you could tell that the actors were genuinely excited to see the fans, but also like really excited to see each other. You know, I can't tell you how many of them said to me that they don't get to see each other at work because of COVID protocols. You know, when they're not filming at the studio, they stay in their dressing rooms. When they're walking in the hallways, they're masked. So actually, Wally told me that he introduced himself to two of the newer actors who he hadn't had a chance to meet yet, which, you know, is wild to think about. Um, but yes, the big announcement was a special video from Christian Alfonso and Peter Reckel, who revealed that they were back filming at the show as Hope and Bo. Now, with Days' shooting schedule, we won't see them until 2023, but I mean, that is great news for sure. And at the event, the show also dropped a, a spoiler-rich promo that showed Victoria Conifle's return as Sierra, Miranda Wilson's as Megan, Chandler Massey as Will, and Kyle Lauder as Rex plus a trip to heaven for Kate, Marlena, and Kayla because of Orpheus's orchid plot. And let me say, it was just one shocker after another. 
Well, 2023 just got a lot more enticing, if you ask me. I mean, obviously, reuniting Bowen Hope on Beyond Salem was a huge fan wish granting moment for viewers in 2022. And the way that limited series ended on the huge cliffhanger that Bo was alive absolutely begged for follow up. And I just can't think of anything better than to know that Bowen Hope's storyline is going to continue officially. Uh, of course, there is still plenty to look forward to in 2022, including just in this week ahead. Something I'm pretty psyched for is the next leg of Holly's return arc to General Hospital, Victor's manipulation of Holly and his quest to get his hands on the necklace dovetail next week when Victor demands that Holly get the necklace away from Robert. Just one minor problem. The necklace is in a briefcase and that briefcase is handcuffed to Robert's wrist. I mean, you know, I am all in for this story, so I yeah. cannot wait. And, you know, there's like a lot of story popping all over the dial. And our guest today will be back in the thick of it as he makes his way back to Genoa City. It's Michael Grazia Day, who is back as Daniel Romilotti and will be sticking around. So let's check in with him and see how it all came about. Hi, Michael. Hi, how you guys doing? Good. How are you? I am fantastic. I have no complaints. Well, first of all, we have to say a big welcome back. Um, Mara and I have, we have never met you. We are so excited to get to know you and we're going to get to know you very well by the end of this hour. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm excited as well. So prepare yourself. Um, It's a threat and a promise. Yeah. Consider myself, I'll consider myself warned. (laughs) Okay. Oh, well, let's go back to the beginning. You were actually born in Germany and spent the first 11 or so years of your life there. So how would you describe your childhood there? Um, Interesting. Uh, Full of culture. (laughs) Uh, It it was uh, fun to grow up and see history all around you, you know, wherever you are in Europe there, they just really hang on to and and cherish the past where, as I feel like a lot of times here, you know, stuff gets 20 years old and they want to tear it down, (laughs) put up something new. So how had your family come to settle in Germany? My mother and my father, uh, my father moved there from Buffalo, New York, or I think from Jersey, he was working in Jersey at the time, um, to take a job for the government. And my mother moved from New Hampshire to take a job from the government. And from what I've been told, she met him the day she got off of the plane. Um, her, one of her associates, you know, showed up to greet her and had this man with her and, yeah, years later, I was born. So apparently it all worked out. But yeah, they were working, they were working for the government overseas and met each other and you know continued um, their careers there while starting raising a family. Oh, so your parents were the basis for the show The Americans? Got it. No. Yes. <laughs> I can't tell you too much about what they did. Well, how did you wind up back in the States then? Around the time that I was going into junior high um there you know we had been they had been talking about moving back getting closer to either my mother's family or my father's family so we entertained both either moving back to buffalo or moving back to new hampshire and new hampshire just had like a little less snow than buffalo so that's what we opted for (laughs) yeah not not by a lot but every every, lot at all (laughs) every flake counts Um, So was it a hard transition for you socially when New Hampshire was suddenly home? Um, Yes and no. At that age, going into junior high, yes, a lot of people were already friends coming from different schools, but they, you know, they had like three or four different grade schools, maybe more being dumped into the middle school. So there there were so many new faces there already for everyone that, you know, I just kind of had to navigate the situation. Yeah. Well, you had started acting in Germany. If I have this right, you made your stage debut at the age of five in The King and I. Yes. Um, do you feel like that sealed your fate and that you were destined to become an actor? Um, or just talk us generally through how you settled on that career path. I feel like I've always been a bit of a ham. So, um, you know, being introduced to the theater at a young age, uh, it was my my mother's doing bringing us to you know the community theater there um on the base and uh getting into that production after that i really didn't think too much about it especially moving back to new hampshire um i got into more music and art those were the things that i was kind of pursuing um and then as 
I don't know, a way of trying to possibly make extra money for college or whatever. You know, my mother did the thing where she was like, oh, let's get headshots for the boys and see if we can get them into commercials or whatever, because they have stuff here in Boston. Um, and I did a couple of commercials when I was in high school, but even then I, I still didn't, you know, this, it wasn't something like, oh, this is what I want to be doing. Doing, doing commercial wasn't really, you know, a good taste of the industry, I, I guess I could say. Um, it wasn't until college when I was trying to figure out what the heck I wanted to do. And, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't want to do music cause I didn't care about music theory and I didn't want to do art because I didn't like the way they were telling me to paint. Um, I didn't want to do computer science because oh, <laughs> I was going to fail out of those classes real fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and I took acting one as kind of a, a joke. I thought it was going to be a fun, easy elective for me to take. And I got in there and I just absolutely fell in love with it. Um, and not too long after being in that first class, one of the teachers who was directing a play there, uh, Julie Brinker, I think her name was, uh, this was at university of New Hampshire. She came to my acting teacher who is Nancy Sacklad. Um, and said, you know, I'm doing this play. I lost one of my leads. We have like three weeks until we go up. Do you have anyone in any of your classes that you think could fill this role? And she taught, you know, acting one and acting four. And out of all of those with, you know, mostly majors in them, she recommended me. So I met with Julie. Then Julie called my roommate. She told him, she's like, you know, after it's not that I need him for this, I met him and I, I, I want him for this. So I went to Nancy and said, Hey, thank you for recommending me. And in like typical Nancy Sacklad fashion, she was just like, Oh, well, the character's name was Ensign Lovely. And I just, you know, you're the only one I could think of. So <laughs> uh, that, that combined with, you know, taking the classes and then stepping out on that stage and performing and feeling like kind of that instant gratification um, from being able to tell that story and seeing the people's reaction, you know, getting the reaction in that live theater setting. I, I just, you know, immediately knew I was like, holy shit. You know, that was the aha moment where I was like, this is, this is what I want to do. If I can do this, I'll be happy. And, and, and it went from there, you know, I, I, took as many classes as I could in that department. Um, and as I was leaving college, I, I went to some of those teachers and I just said, you know, I'm, I'm honestly thinking about pursuing this for, for my career. And they told me, they said, we never tell anyone this, but you should go do it. And I was like, all right, well, I guess, I guess maybe there's something to it that, you know, I'm, I'm not crazy. <laughs> So how did you end up deciding to make the big move to Los Angeles? I, so I knew when I left college that that's what I wanted to do. Um, and I did not pursue, uh, any, any other job, you know, with my major in communication, which I mean, is kind of a, a bullshit major anyway. Right. I mean, you could do just about anything with it. <laughs> it's very versatile. Um, um, so I started working at a bar. I got a, I, I, which I should say continued working at a bar. I had been serving there. And when I got done with college, I just said, you know, I want to bartend. They said, sure. They trained me to bartend, saved a bunch of money. And within, within like a year, year and a half, I, what is it? Almost Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. It'll be 20 years ago this Thanksgiving that I moved to LA. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah packed, packed my car, packed my clothes and my guitar and moved out here. Well, what do you remember being a bigger culture shock, Germany to New Hampshire or New Hampshire to L.A.? New Hampshire to L.A. 100%. I mean, I was ready for it, but I wasn't ready for it. You know, I, nothing could really prepare you for it, I suppose. All right. So when you did move uh, to L.A. from New Hampshire, you were there for about a year and a half before you landed YNR. Mm -hmm. So you arrived, guitar, car, nothing else. How did you go about, you know, finding a foothold in this industry? I immediately started looking for an apartment because, you know, that that was key um, and, and a job. I wound up getting a job at the Saddle Ranch on Sunset, bartending there, uh, excuse me, bartending there. And one of one of my clients who became a friend, I mean, we wound up living together and everything. 
he, um, he came in one day and he was just like, Hey man, you know, I, I booked this job in New York. I know you are looking to get into acting. I think you should meet with my managers. Cause you know, we were similar. Um, we're, we're like in the same category and he's like, and now that I'm gone and I can't do anything like they could use another me. They could use you. Um, so <laughs> I met with them and um, it had been a, a long process of people approaching me while I was working there and being like, oh, hey, you want to be an actor? Hey, you know, why don't you come? We'll take care of you. And it just like getting really uncomfortable vibes from some of these people. And when I met with his managers, uh, Tracy Steinspear and Stu Strunk, they, they run main title entertainment. I'm still with them today. I mean, it was, you know, immediately we just connected we all got each other and, uh, they wanted to work with me. I wanted to work with them. They recommended a class for me to get into. I started doing that. I went and, you know, got new headshots done with who they told me to go with. And I was just open, you know, I was open to learning. I was open to listening to what they had to tell me uh, because I trusted them and I still, you know, trust them. Uh, and God, Stu is the godparents to our twin boys, <laughs> godfather to our twin boys. Um, so from there, I started auditioning with them uh, and they, we, we quickly booked, you know, some co-stars and some guest stars and then Y&R came along and that was, yeah, that was the first major role that I wound up booking. First of all, that's an amazing client patron that you had and what a great story. Um, but tell us your Y&R casting story. My Y&R casting story. Oh my God. I don't know if I'm going to remember this correctly. Um, I remember getting some kind of breakdown, you know, they have all the names changed. They don't tell you what characters you're reading for or anything. Um, and I remember doing these scenes and coming in and reading for Marnie was casting at the time and then coming back, I think, and reading for the producers and everything. And then nothing happened. It went away. And a month or two later, maybe, maybe more, maybe three months later, another audition came in from Y&R and I was reading it and I was like, man, it's like really similar character. It was like, it was kind of weird. And I came to find out that they had hired a different guy for the role. Then apparently he didn't work out and they hired another person for the role. And a few days in that didn't work out. So they had to go back to the drawing board. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to have Marnie bring me back in and I did it and I wound up doing the screen test and that, that was it. That was history. They were like, you know, we didn't get it right the first time. Yeah. Or the second or the second. <laughs> there are times of charm. Here we are. Case in point. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So one of the things that I, I uh, loved reading about you as we were preparing for this interview is that you actually kept your job as a bartender uh, after YNR. So why did you do that? And what made you feel like, okay, I can, I can trust that I'll have a paycheck even if I quit this job. Uh, why did I do it? I, I did it because nothing's certain in life, right? I mean, aside from what, what do they say? Death and taxes. <laughs> Those are the only certainties in life. Uh, yeah. I just didn't know where it was going. Um, you know, hearing that they had already gone through two people, you don't know if you you're next on the chopping block. Um, so I, you know, went to the people at Saddle Ranch and I just talked to them and said, I, I would like to continue. These are the days, you know, I can work on the weekends and like, you know, Thursday night, if there's any, an issue, if there's ever an issue, we'll try and work around it. So I, I kept that job for a couple months. Um, and it wasn't until I was working one day and this group of people came in and they were like, oh God, you look so familiar. And, and, and I was like, oh yeah. I was like, yeah, no, I get that a lot. And, you know, I'm continuing to work and whatever. And then they said, no, 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 you know what it is? Come here. And I think they said <laughs> from general hospital and they were like, we work on general hospital. And, and they were like, you look just like this guy that is on the young and the restless. And I was <laughs> like, oh yeah, well, it's me. And they're like, no. Ah. And I'm like, no, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's me. And they were like, why are you working here? Um, and, and, and then a couple more, like within, within a few more nights, more people were coming in and just like, ah, you know, at, at the 
So I, I went to my, my manager at like the end of one of those shifts. And I was just like, Hey man, you know, they're keeping me pretty busy over there. And I, I think that it, I'm in a good place with them. And, and, Oh, that was it too. Like there was, I believe there was no contract when I first signed on with them. And then they quickly came to me within a month or two and did the contract. And then within a, a month or so of doing the contract, yeah, I stayed at, I stayed at the bar for a while after I got this job. <laughs> then you got soap shamed. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was. So did you know anything yeah. about soaps? <laughs> Before, before, yeah, before, before you started YNR, were you familiar with soaps at all? I was, you know, I was aware that they existed. <laughs> That's a start. Yeah. I knew, I knew that all the girls in, at, at the University of New Hampshire really loved passions. <laughs> this is a thing that, you know, all, everybody in, in, whether they were in a sorority or not, like all the girls watched passions for some reason. That um, was a big college show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So no cachet for you because you landed on YNR. Um, <laughs> so what do you remember about like stepping onto that set for the first time or for, you know, your very early days and getting your feet wet in the YNR universe? I think it was terrifying. Um, I, I mean, I always, it, maybe terrifying is not the, the right word, but no matter how many jobs I book, I, I always have this anxiety about it. I mean, especially like the night before my first day, I can never sleep. You know, I wind up showing up on set, like bags under my eyes, dying, drinking coffee. Like, Oh my God, I just got to get through this first day. And then I sleep like a baby and everything's fine. Um, but I, it, it, it was super exciting to, you know, feel like, okay, yeah, I, I've done the right thing. I moved out to LA for this purpose and, and here we go. Like, let's, let's get this started. Um, I remember that the people here were extremely gracious and welcoming. Um, still to this day, you know, I'm, I'm friends with all of them. Like they're they're like family to me. Uh, I, I was a, a bait, essentially a baby. When, what was I? I was 24, playing 16. When I started. <laughs> it was a TV baby. Um, but you know, like being my first job and everything and, and forming those relationships with the people here, they've, they've just lasted. I mean, they're, they're such incredible actors and, and just genuinely good people. And it's hard to find. Sure. You know? Yeah. Did I answer the question or did I go off on a tangent? You answered the question. Um, <laughs> now, Daniel, of course, has quite the pedigree in Genoa City as the biological son of Phyllis and uh, the legal son of Danny. So first of all, tell us about your relationship with Michelle Stafford, who plays your mom. My relationship with Michelle Stafford, I, I don't I don't know what I could possibly say about her. Um, absolutely nothing bad, that's for sure, because we're... <laughs> Working with Michelle is, it's, it's a dream. You know, she's any actor's dream to work with. She's always prepared. She's always throwing a curveball at you. And that keeps things interesting. You know, it's, that's what you want. You don't, you don't want to know. Well, I don't know. Maybe some people want to know what to expect when they get on set, but I, I don't. You know, I, I want it to be fresh and alive and, and interesting. Um, and she 100% makes that happen. Indeed. Um, now, Danny Romolotti is, of course, played by Michael Damien, and the news is out that he is also headed back to YNR, uh, albeit for a visit. I kind of inner squealed when I saw Laura Lee Bell posted a picture of you, uh, Michael, uh, and herself. So what comes to mind when you think of Mr. Michael Damien? When I think of him? Mm. Oh, man, I still think of rock on. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Us> <laughs> Um, I, I, I adore Michael. Uh, he, he was another one of the people that, you know, when I was thrust into going back to coming to YNR, there was, I was inundated with so much material when I first arrived here because I was playing catch up to, um, you know, not only trying to get the shows taped that were current, but a backlog of shows that they had taped with other actors that they wanted to reshoot stuff. So I was coming to work uh, almost in tears because I had 50 plus pages of material a day. And I was like, if this is acting, I don't think I want to do it. This is like a play every day. This is insane. How am I ever going to memorize all this? But I, you know, I did, I, I, 
that's, that's our job, right? Is to just know your goddamn lines and show up and deliver them and be ready to play and have fun. So yeah, that, that was, that was the most daunting thing. You know, when I, when I say terrifying before that was, that was the most terrifying and daunting thing was just the sheer volume of material. Mm -hmm. Um, But Michael was, so Michael was there talking about my seat. See, off the tangent. Um, (laughs) Michael was one of those people that, um, he was just ready to be, I would say, be patient with me, but I didn't, I didn't need it. I I showed up and was just doing every scene like that. He he told me, he was like, okay, cool. You like, I guess we don't need to do it again. You know? Uh, well, without getting you in trouble, can you tell us if you've gotten to work with him yet? Yeah, I've gotten to work with Michael. You know, obviously, like he's family on the show, family, family in real life and family in the show. So, of course, we're going to be working together. Yeah. And I have seen him and it's been it, we picked up right where we left off, you know. I love that. All right. So let's talk about some of the signature storylines you were part of during your first YNR run. So oh when, when you first <laughs> when you when you first came onto the show, Daniel pursued Mackenzie, but his first really sustained love story was with Lily. And their saga really kicked off in 2005 when Daniel was too drunk to drive. So Cassie got behind the wheel of his car, which crashed. She was fatally injured and Daniel and Lily subsequently went on the run. So what stands out to you about that era, them trusting you with that storyline and about, you know, developing the Daniel and Lily romance with Crystal Khalil? I don't know why anybody would trust me with anything to be completely honest with you. Um, The thing that I remember most about that storyline is being dressed like a banana. (laughs) Same. That is, that is my memory as well. Yes. On the beach, no less. Yeah. Wasn't Lily dressed like grapes? She was a strawberry or something like that. Right. (laughs) Some kind of berry. I I don't know. Um, I remember being very excited to to be involved in that storyline yes like for them to kind of hand over the reins and be like this is what it's going to be and you guys are going to be front burner um it it was an unparalleled experience for me you know up up until that point like i i had never i never been involved in anything like that so um i was grateful to say that much yeah i think you're always grateful when you're given good meaty story when you're given something to do you know that's every actor's you would think that's every actor's dream i think some actors just like collecting paychecks (laughs) (laughs) you like to do i got mad over over here like this (laughs) 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 no one you work with at yr of course oh no no other shows other shows right right those people yeah Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, let's, let's go in a little deeper on the banana costume. So what are your memories of it? You see a banana costume. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. It must have really uh, ingrained itself in me because at some point years later, we decided for Halloween to, it was my brother, myself, and my friend, uh, Jeremy Felisard, who's this amazing chef in Montreal. Uh, on, an, on another time, we can talk about if you guys are ever in Montreal, since it's close to New York, close enough, right? I'll tell you about some of his restaurants. Um, we dressed like bananas, and uh, my girl, Lauren, she dressed like a monkey, and we took a bunch of bananas with us to the bar that night. Uh, <laughs> We knew all the bartenders and waitresses and they were really not amused <laughs> the next day when they told us all the bananas that they were cleaning up that night. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, it wasn't a Halloween thing. I think it was, you know, just them trying to evade being caught when they were on the run. But I must yeah. say, when I was going through all of uh, the episodic photos that we have of your run on YNR and they really went to town on you on many a Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the, you were the ice skater, I think, is the one that really sticks out in my mind. Yeah. What, what about I, put, Van Gogh? I, put, I put the outfit on and I was like, uh, this is really tight. You know, <laughs> is, is this, we can show this on television? All right, if you're cool with it, let's go. <laughs> and that's when you began dressing only in spandex. Only, only in my personal <laughs> life. Um, I, get so- home, I get home from YNR and it's right into my slippers and spandex. <laughs> 
So Daniel uh, and Lily wed in 2005. And I would love to hear some of your memories of your A-list in-laws on the show, the late Christoph St. John, who played Neil, and Victoria Rowell, who played Drusilla. Well, Victoria was another one of those actresses or act- actors, you know, who <laughs> watching her dynamic with Michelle was always just a blast. I mean, they, they would just go at each other and you could just see their personalities, you know, trying each trying to get the last word, each trying to one up the other one. And it was just fun. You know, it made for great entertainment. Um, and I had a, I had a blast working with Vicky as well. I mean, she, she's an incredible actor. Um, Christoph, Christoph's, you know, missed on a daily basis. It's one of those things where it's just not the same, you know, knowing, knowing that he can't come back and just visit. Um, that was a tough one. That was a tough one for everyone. But while he was here, I mean, nothing but shits and giggles on set. You know, he was always trying to pull some prank or, you know, we were always having some kind of joke. It was, he's a great man. Uh, well, Brighton James, who plays Lily's adopted brother, Devon, started around the same time you did. So tell us about your relationship with Brighton. On the show or personally? Because personally, personally, personally I mean, I couldn't, you know, hate anyone more than I hate Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> you lie. I, I big time lie. Brighton is actually uh, the major reason for me coming back. He came over to the house with Crystal to visit our boys and you know he was just sitting there and he just said hey uh you should come back to the show man would you ever come back and i said i haven't really given it any thought i just figured if they wanted me to come back they would ask and he's like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go talk to some people and the next thing i knew he was telling me he's like yeah you know i spoke with so-and-so i spoke with so-and-so i started getting phone calls from them my manager started getting phone calls from them Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And they said, you know, would you do it? I said, hey, you figure out what works for you guys. You present it to me. If it works for me, yeah, I'm going to consider it. You know, why wouldn't I? And uh, and yeah, everything worked out because of him. I wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation with you guys if it wasn't for Brighton. So I guess I owe him one. What do, I probably owe him like 10%, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, going back in time yet again, in 2007, Daniel and Lily's marriage fell apart when he developed a porn addiction. Yes, as one as, you know, often as, does. On as as one often does. Yeah. Uh, that era also brought uh, Adrian Francis Amber into Daniel's orbit. So first of all, do you remember how you reacted to finding out? that you were getting tale as old as time, the porn addiction storyline. <laughs> ah, it didn't surprise me at all. I, you know, I was surprised. What surprised me was that it hadn't happened sooner. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I remember them bringing me into the office and sitting me down and being like, we have this incredible storyline for you. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, it's going to be so intense and so raw and, you know, going on. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, man, this is going to happen. And that's going to happen. And I'm like, oh, what is it? And they're like, you're going to be addicted to porn. <laughs> just remember being like, you know, crickets. <laughs> like we just kind of staring at them, jaw dropped, eyes just kind of glazed over. Like, oh, 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 I'm, I'm going to be addicted to porn. Oh, okay. So I, I can't tell you um, 
my God, how many jokes we had. Because, you know, oh, you're addicted to porn. I'm like, well, then where's the Vaseline? Where's all the tissues? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. We can't have any of that. And I'm like, well, if we're going to do it, we should be doing this right. Like, come on. Blanket on my lap when they walk in the door. They're like, no, 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 no. I'm like, oh, okay, so we're going for it, but we're not going for it. It's did you get the research, research you did? <laughs> research? Oh, Thanks. I mean, the research was the best part. <laughs> best part of that storyline. Yeah, I mean, when they told me, I was like, well, I guess I have to watch a lot more porn. <laughs> and then and write it off. And write it off. Absolutely. Work research. Uh, <laughs> well, tell us about working with Adrian. Adrian is a nut. She's, she's like certifiably insane in, in the best possible way. Um, she would do absolutely anything for anyone. She would give you the shirt off of her back. She's one of the kindest people that I've you know ever had the pleasure of working with. Um, she's another one who, who, you know, it was just always fun and exciting to be on set with her because she was just ready to throw anything back at you that, that you know, you lobbed her away. Um, now, something of a constant in Daniel's life, maybe he would say for better or worse, was his connection to Kevin Fisher, played by Greg Rickard. So tell us about working. Never heard of that. <laughs> what? <laughs> tell us about working with Greg. Working with Greg? It's it's like going to the circus every day. <laughs> um, Greg, Greg and and. Greg and Christian both. I would put them both here. Like it was always shenanigans. Uh, shenanigans, you know, like like we're a bunch of clowns. <laughs> we never, it's amazing that we ever get any work done because we're so busy laughing at each other. <laughs> um, well, over the years, you also crossed storyline paths with the late Jean Cooper, who played Catherine. You know, what comes to mind when you hear her name? I don't know. It just makes me sad. You know, it, it, maybe it shouldn't, but I I absolutely adored her. She, the stories she could tell you, you know, and there's like a sign on her dressing room now, you know, the door was always open. That was true. Door, her door was always open. Anybody could go in there and sit and talk with her. And I spent numerous occasions, you know, many hours in her room. And she would, she had the wildest stories about the industry and, and just about, you know, people in general. And it was so much fun just to take it all in, you know? So I, I miss that. Okay, so when uh, Daniel and Amber split, he got involved with Abby, then played by M. Ryland when she was, uh, when Abby, I guess, not M, was the in her heiress. Heiress. The naked era. Heiress. Yes. So what do you remember about that, Michael? Uh, the the photos. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. Like there, there's all these little bits and pieces that that come back. Um, I remember the Naked Era stuff. Um, that is the thing that like most comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Why? Because she was pregnant on horseback and <laughs> memorable, maybe. That's it. Um, well, the end of his relationship with Amber also coincided with Daniel's drugging and rape by Daisy, which resulted in their daughter, Lucy. So do you have fond memories of working with the babies who played Lucy or did having a baby on set create too much chaos? Like, what was that like? Um, yeah, you want me to be honest? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't I don't remember the babies honestly being any problem. Um, I know that children can be problems on set. You know, I'm sure any actor will tell you. Um, but what, what that's another thing actors say. You don't want to work, work with, with children, children or animals. No, children or animals. Um, I love animals. I, I'll work with animals all day. <laughs> children, I can do without. Um, <laughs> um, that, that's not, you know, I, I kid though, because I've worked with kids that are absolutely incredible. So um, I remember uh, um, the Daisy storyline. That, that was another one where they're like, well, she drugged you, raped you. Now she's pregnant. You know, I was like, oh, okay. Okay, cool. As, as we do here in Genoa <laughs> city. Um, it was, it was kind of fun. It was a lot of fun, you know, to try and, and play with those emotions and everything that was going on. And then working 
working with the babies is great. The problem is, you know, it's not going to be the same babies, you know, if they ever come back. So you just don't know what you're in for. They really, might I just say, did not spare Daniel the drama. <laughs> no, um, it's funny the amount of stuff that I chose to, you know, compartmentalize, stick out of my memory, whatever it was until coming back here. Cause I've been gone for what, 10 years, something like that. Yeah, just about. And then people reminding me of all of the things that happened. I'm like, Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh my God. Really? It's like, I don't know. Maybe I was like younger and, and <laughs> I really don't, I really don't know why some of that hadn't really stuck in my head more that I had to be reminded of it, but you know, I was not spared the drama. Well, if, they, if it makes you feel better, there are times where Mara will tell me a story and I'll say, did that happen to me? And she's like, yes. <laughs> she's like, yes, yesterday. Yes. <laughs> no, yesterday she's good with, but, but you know, the day before, <laughs> the day before we, we struggle. Uh, or she'll be like, who told you that? Did I tell you that? Yes, Stephanie, you told me that. Yes, you did. I'm <laughs> um, guilty. So even when you were on YNR, you were also like building up your, your primetime credits. Um, mm -hmm. And you were involved in some pretty cool projects, uh, including a role we need to hear about your experience with, which was on American Horror Story Murder House, where you worked with Jessica oh, Lang. Jessica Lang. So tell us about your whole experience with, with that project. Played her boy toy. Yeah, and I was my my mother said to me, Well, she's my age. You have to kiss her. And I'm like, Yeah. And she's like, What's that like? And I'm like, Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> um I, I honestly I didn't realize the scope of what I was getting myself into with that. Um, the audition process was very strange. I walked into a room and had like two lines. Um, and then they were like, so you're going to have your clothes off in this. How are you doing? And thank God I had been, you know, working out recently and like lifted up my shirt and was like, is that good for you? And like kind of laughed and and left not knowing, you know, there hadn't been a season of it yet. Nobody knew what this project was. Um, I don't even think we knew who I was going to be working with in it through that audition process. And it wasn't until my manager, Stu called me and he was like, you, you got the American horror story job. And I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So I go in there and drop a couple of lines. And he's like, no, it's recurring. And I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. So they're going to like write some stuff. It'll be more than just a line or two here and there. And, he, and he's like, yeah, no. And um, you're going to be playing Jessica Lang's love interest. And I was like, what? Like, really? He's like, yeah, I'm like, this is amazing. This is incredible. I'm, I'm just such a fan of hers. It's always fun to get to work with these people that you admire like that um, and to see their process. And, you know, I, then either be like, oh, my God, yes, they're such a wonderful person. And yes, they're so incredible. Or, oh, my God, they're a total piece of shit and they don't deserve any of this. Uh, she, she is not that she is. She was beyond incredible. Like she was such a joy and such a pleasure to be around and work with. And, you know, we'd be working through scenes and she's like, you know, honey, are you OK with this and that? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I was like, this is you. It's like whatever you want, whatever you need. It's like I'm, I'll facilitate. Like, let's just figure it out. Um, but getting to be a part of that first. I mean, everybody says that the first season was I'm pretty sure everybody says the first season was the best. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, having been a part of that, it was, it, it, you know, getting to all the actors on it, everyone that I got to work with, it was just so much fun and such an interesting way of telling, telling that story and everything. <laughs> I remember the day that they killed me, um, in the house, the crew all started cheering and I was like, why are you cheering? They're like, well, because now you're a ghost in the house and you're going to continue to come back. Like they have to have you back more and more. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Cause we, you know, I didn't know I wasn't getting like, I don't, I don't think I was getting whole scripts at the time. I just didn't know what was in store. You know, we didn't have everything ahead of time. If you're somebody who's prone to being nervous the night before a gig, how can you even put into words how nervous you are the day before you have to show up to work with Jessica Lang? No, 
<laughs> I was oddly at peace for that project. I don't know why. I think because maybe I still didn't realize this, the, you know, how many episodes I was going to be in, what, you know, it was all going to entail. Um, and I was probably, you know, more concerned with, am I going to look good when I have my shirt off in this scene? <laughs> so I didn't really have time to think about anything else. Um, I, I have to say, uh, working with the, the, these are a few of the people like working with Jessica Lang, working with Mahershala, uh, on true detective and working with Dennis Hopper. Those were all situations that I feel like I wasn't really nervous just because I was, you know, more excited to be in that position and to be playing with them, you know? Well, you did end up leaving Y&R in late 2012. So talk us through making the decision to walk away at the time. Oh, tough decision. You know, when, when they're not telling you to get out, when they're telling you that they want you to stay. Um, I think that at that time, Daniel had been through so much drama, you know, and, and I was just like trying to really take into consideration. I was like, okay, well, what else are they going to do with me that, I it hasn't happened already. Um, it hasn't been done, you know, will it be just more of the same? Um, I, th I think I, I just wanted to stretch and express and, and be creative on, you know, in, in other avenues on other avenues, um, which can sometimes be difficult when you have a contract when you're locked in, you're doing the stuff. They've, they've always been extremely good here about letting me out for different products. I mean, you know, I did American horror story was recurring on that when I was here, did a bunch of other shows. Um, but I, I wanted to have complete freedom to be able to pursue whatever job came along, whatever opportunity would happen to arise at that moment. Um, but it was, it was a, an extremely difficult decision. I mean, especially when someone's paying you to be like, yeah, no, good. Yeah, I don't, I don't need any money. I'm going to go starve and, you know, be an artist <laughs> much like Daniel. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh. But I think also, you know, because you were, as you, as you put it, such a baby, when you started on the show, eight years, you know, playing one character, I, I think, I think it, you did good for yourself by doing that. And obviously how consistently you worked mm -hmm. uh, shows that uh, you were onto something by taking that risk. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I agree. Um, and it, it just, it just felt like it was the right time. You know, it felt like it was the right time to step back and take a moment for myself um, and assess, <laughs> assess all my life choices. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, I, I, I've had a blast. I've worked a lot. I've done a bunch of stuff. I've worked with a bunch of different people, um, but you know, when the opportunity arose to come back here, it was, you know, like a no brainer as well. It was like, yeah, no, I know. I know that. And I'm familiar with that. And I love the people here. And I, I was honored and humbled and, and incredibly grateful that apparently I created enough goodwill while I was here <laughs> the last time to, to have them want me back, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, now I get to look at everything with a different perspective, having that span of time between and, and having grown up a bit and coming back to Genoa city, you know, no more as the troubled youth, but now I'm a strapping young man. <laughs> <laughs> Young. Am I still young? <laughs> we'll give it to you. You're still young. Thank you. <laughs> so you did come back to visit a couple of times before this, you know, return that you made. I'm curious to know when you came back in 2016, uh, which was for Summer's wedding to Luca, you intersected with Cameron Grimes, who played Cassie when she was little and was back on the show as Mariah. So was it, it was it trippy? To see her all grown up? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, God, you, you, don't, you don't really think about those things, I guess, until you're like in the situation. But she was essentially a baby, you know, the last time I had seen her. And, you know, now she was a, a young lady. Um, and I mean, still, like, it, it's it's a trip to think about that kind of stuff when you're checking out people's Instagram pages and stuff, because you still think of them as you know, that person that you first met. I mean, Crystal, you know, she's still like that, that little girl that I first met all those years ago. Um, it's, it's funny. 
Oh, well, it's funny you brought up Instagram. Let's talk about your Instagram <laughs> handle, Good Grief Charlie Brown. Like, you like that. Yeah, I do like that. We're Thank like, you. you know, kind of unique. What made you adopt that as your name? I don't I don't know. A huge Peanuts fan, I guess. Okay. Um, yeah, you can definitely catch me in like Snoopy Hawaiian shirts and Snoopy sweatshirts. <laughs> I, I thought you were exclusively spandex. I don't know what. <laughs> Whoa! No, no, no. Uh, bottom half spandex, <laughs> upper half sweatshirt uh, or Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. Oh. Don't forget slippers. I mean, this is just you know the the picture you're of the, the look fashion. Here. Yeah. <laughs> So you've certainly worked a lot since leaving Young and the Restless. And most recently, you shot The Lincoln Lawyer for Netflix. So tell us about that experience. It's great. I mean, they they, they have some fantastic content. And I think that Lincoln Lawyer was definitely one of those shows that gets to be you know put, put up there. Um, everybody on that show... From top to bottom, um, you know the the ca the cast, the crew, the writers, everybody, um, the directors I got to work with. Um, just a fun experience, and stepping into the, you you want to talk about nervous. This was a job where I was nervous. Like, okay, you're going to play a, a district attorney. I've never played any kind of character like that in my entire life. So. I remember the audition process. I remember my hair was extremely long at the time. We were living in a hotel because our condo had flooded. I had a full beard. My manager called me and he was like, uh, you know, so-and-so is casting this. So you're going to do the right thing and you're going to shave and yada, yada. And I was like, you know, screw you, man. Like, I'm not going to get this district attorney. He's like, shut up. You're going to shave. You're going to put on nice clothes. So we left the hotel. I went and I picked up a suit from the condo that was flooded. I shaved. I took all my hair. I combed it. I pulled it back so they couldn't see it. I had, you know, in a ponytail in the back and the front combed. This is another one. You know, I, I did the audition and got done with it. And then they called and they're like, you know, so you booked it. I'm like, great. And they're like, it's seven out of 10 episodes. I was like, <laughs> You know, maybe I would have tried harder in my audition had I known, but I guess it's better that I didn't know. Um, <laughs> um, and and then, you know, being like, okay, cool. Settling into that fact and then realizing, holy shit, there's going to be courtroom scenes and I'm going to be prosecuting this guy and trying to deliberate to a courtroom and to a jury and to a judge. And I was like, I need to make this all sound real. You know, like I have this under control. And, you know, we, we went in and, and it was kind of so hot in the studios that I quickly was not nervous anymore and just miserable because of how hot I was um, in my suit in court all day long. Um, but we had a, a, an associate there. Um, she was an associate of someone. She was she was working. She was an actual D.A., um, and she came over to me after like my first couple of days working in the courtroom. And she was just like, I have to tell you, you would fit right in at the office. And I was like, what? And she's like, whatever you are doing. She's like, we are taught from day one that our shit doesn't stink. We're the most important person in the room. You know, she went through the whole thing and she's like, you would just fit like you're part of that boys club. And I was like, oh, oh, thank you so much. I'm a total piece of crap. I love it. If that, <laughs> that translates, I'm, I'll just keep going with it. And it, you know, it's fun to find little nuances with the character and things that, you know, you could figure out that's all part of his world and part of his being. Um, and, and then, you know, like I was saying, the, the, the actors is what one working on a Michael Connelly project. I mean, great writer, you know, you're stepping into something that already has a built in fan base. Um, so you're not worried about people watching it. You know, people are going to see it. Um, I loved the movie years ago with McConaughey. So I was familiar with it, um, already, um, yeah, I don't know what else I can say about it. It was, it was a really kind of lovely experience to get that character out and now have him on tape, you know, now, now never, he's there with all the murderers and rapists and serial killers in the middle. There's this lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I want to take you back if I may to August 25th, 2021. 
a very big day in your life. You and your beautiful lady, Lauren, became the parents of fraternal twin boys. Sounded familiar. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, Your twin sons, Arlo and Oliver, were born. But going back a bit, like... We call her Bear. Pardon? Bear. Oliver is Bear. It's Oliver Bear, but... Yeah, yeah. Oliver, Oliver is only because Lauren told me I could not name him Bear. And I was like, (laughs) why? And she's like, because he needs a normal name in case he doesn't want to be called Bear. And I was like, well, then his middle name is going to be Bear. And she's like, you know, we came up with Oliver Bear. And I told her, I was like, I will never call him Oliver. That is Bear. (laughs) She doesn't call him Oliver either. She's like, Bear, Bear, Bear. I'm like, you should have named him Bear in the first place. She's like, you can get it changed. I'm like, that sounds like a lot of work. (laughs) Well, not not at all. I mean, all of a sudden, not only are you a first-time father, you're a first-time father twice over. So Mm. tell us about, you know, making this transition in your life. It's insane. (laughs) One, I mean, we weren't trying for kids. Um, So, you know, it just happened. Uh, Lauren, we were at this time, we were living in a hotel still waiting for the condo to be fixed. Um, and Lauren had spent about, uh, uh, she'd spent a couple of weeks not really wanting to get out of the bed. And, you know, I was constantly going to her and being like, you, you need to like get out of this dark room. You need to do stuff. She's like, I just don't have any energy. I don't know what's wrong. She started going to see different doctors. You know, she's like, they can't find anything that's wrong with me. She took a COVID test. It's not COVID. Um, and finally, one day she was like, I'm going to go get a pregnancy test. And I was like, you're not pregnant. And she went and got the pregnancy test. She was like in the bathroom for three seconds. She's like, I'm pregnant. I'm like, you're, it's too soon. Just give it time. Like that'll, you know, whatever it's going to, the thing's going to change. She's like, no, 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 it's, I, I'm pregnant. So, you know, we went and sure enough, she was. And then um, we were like, okay, well, once the condo's fixed, we can, I guess we're going to have a baby. Um, we, we can, we can make this work in a one bedroom condo. And then the doctor was like, Oh, what if I told you it was twins? And she was like, shut the up. <laughs> it's, it's twins. I remember, I remember being in the garage while she was upstairs at the doctor's appointment because I couldn't go up with her. Um, and I was like working on sides for an audition and she came down and she looked like she had seen a ghost. And I was like, what's wrong? I was like, are you, are you, are you okay? What's going on? And she just looked at me and she goes, it's twins. I'm like, what? She goes, it's fucking twins. And she turned around. She went back upstairs and just left me standing there. Gobsmacked. <laughs> um, and we were driving home from the doctor's appointment and she was super quiet. And I guess I was quiet too. And she's like, what are you thinking? And I was like, just, just thinking, I guess we're having twins. And I don't, I don't think we could stay in that one bedroom condo. We're going to need a bigger boat. Yep. Yeah, we were a month away from finishing the renovations from the condo being flooded. Um, and just like that, we you know met with a realtor. We had her take everything over and sell the condo. We found a house. Uh, we got in the house. We tore out the kitchen as soon as the babies were born. I mean, um, but we were saying the transition to, what were you saying? The transition to being a father? Um, it it of happened. Two. Of two. Yeah, it happened kind of immediately from that moment that we were like, oh, I guess we're having twins. She, Lauren said she saw an immediate change in me. Um, I was online. I was trying to research things. I was looking, you know, for car seats and strollers and yada, 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 immediately trying, trying to get a jump on stuff. Um, and she, I know she was joking with me being like, I think you're, you've taken to this whole idea a lot quicker than I have. Um, but she's, she's the greatest mom to them. She is so loving and so caring and so present. And, you know, with COVID and everything, having her getting to work from home and then me being at home too, all my additions are just on tape. It, it was such a blessing to have that entire first year just with the kids. And, you know, that was also a huge factor in when Brighton asked if I wanted to, if I would ever come back here, I was like, well, you know, yeah, I'm a different, I've got two kids at home that it might be nice to know, Hey, I've got the job and it's here and it's in LA and you know, our hours aren't that bad here. You know, for the most part, you're home by dinner. So to get to see them in the morning, at least, and see them at night for dinner, like that kind of stuff, it's, it's just important to me. It's something that I want to be present for. Um, And I want to experience, you know, and, and I, I miss them on days that I wake up and I have to be at the studio early and 
you know, we're, we're, we're not going to disturb them. They stay in that room until 7 a.m. So if I'm leaving at 6.15, I'm not allowed to go in there and say good morning because that'll mess up mom's morning, you know? Um, yeah, I miss them. I miss them terribly. I miss their stupid little faces. <laughs> Well, now you're back. Father of two, uh, Daniel's starting a new chapter. What can you tease about what we can expect with your story and just your return to YNR? Well, if it's anything like the past, you know, bananas and porn, um, I'm, <laughs> sure we are, I'm sure we're in for a ride. <laughs> Before we let you go, um, you know, when you think back on this version of yourself who was first hired by YNR, how would you say landing the gig back then has changed your life? I mean, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be sitting here with you guys today, you know, Um, changed it 100 percent for the better. It taught me between work itself and the people that I was fortunate enough to work with here and meet um, taught me a lot about myself. who, who I was, who I am and who I wanted to be. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful. There is such a small percentage of people in this industry that actually get to work in this industry and and do what they love on a, on a daily basis. Um, so I'm extremely grateful for that. It's, it's been a huge driving force in the, in the person that I've, that I've become the person that I am. Well, we could not be happier that you're back. We look forward to seeing what's ahead with Daniel. And thank you so much for all your time today. It's great to get to know you. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I guess we'll have to do this again sometime. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Michael Grazia Day for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. Podcast.